0: Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a kid leader Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and Institutes of Children's Ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Our Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast. My name is Joy Hensley and I serve as training specialist here at the International Offices in Children's Ministries. I'm also one of our co-hosts for our podcast. And joining us today is a very special guest that many of you may be familiar with and that you may know and it is Bishop Duke Stone. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Um, bishop stone Um, bishop stone along with his wife shirlene serves as the regional bishop for the magnolia region of the church of god of prophecy the stones have pastored for 36 years at churches in tennessee florida and indiana before their pastoral ministry they served as national evangelists representing the evangelism department of the international offices he has also served as the state minister of music in oklahoma While pastoring in Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, Bishop Stone founded and served as the head of school for Hamilton Heights Christian Academy, a fully accredited high school for 20 years. The school has enrolled students from the greater Chattanooga area as well as over 170 students from 30 different nations from North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Australia, and Africa. Mm -hmm. Bishop Stone has written high school and collegiate literature for the One Accord educational curriculum for over 30 years. He has authored two Bible studies for Spirit Matters curriculum on the life of Moses and the life of Jonah. He holds a Master of Education from the University of Tennessee, and the Stones have three grown children and seven grandchildren. Wow, what an impressive bio. So welcome, welcome Bishop Stone. We're so honored and pleased to have you.
0: Thank you, Joy. It is a joy to be with you and an honor to be with you in the children's ministries department. You guys are doing a fabulous job in leading this department leading this ministry in our church worldwide. And it is my honor to join you today. And I don't know so much about a fabulous bio. We can write anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So some of our
1: people might not know why we asked you to come and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this year at ICM, we addressed the spiritual disciplines, and you came and you presented on, on one of the disciplines, and we're going to be digging into that. So that is the reason why you are sharing with us today. Um, so thank you again for being here. But before we dig into the questions about the spiritual disciplines, we have a habit on this podcast of beginning by asking our guests just to share a little bit about They're called a ministry. So we wanted to ask you if you would share a little bit of your story and how you discovered your calling and how it brought you to where you are today.
0: Sure. Um, I grew up in the Church of God of Prophecy in Oklahoma, and uh, I have two brothers that were pastors in the church. I came late in life. Uh, My brother next to me is nine years older than me. And then the one next to him was nine years older than him. So there's 18 years age difference between that older brother and myself. And then I have uh, three other siblings even older than that one. So I was very late in life and having two brothers that were serving in pastoral ministry as I was growing up. I was keenly aware of what was involved in pastoring. I had watched them and observed them and, um, Growing up in a church that promoted young people and uh, their calling in God in their life, I had a lot of fabulous men, uh, mentors in my local church to help uh, direct and guide my um, pursuit for God, first of all, and then uh, in trying to figure out my calling in life. I often joke when we take the ACTs, I grew up in Oklahoma, and on the ACTs, it asks your interests and it asks you what you want to major in in college. And when I look back at mine now, my first uh, interest was oceanography. And the reason why I find that uh, hilarious now is i would never seen an ocean. I'd never been to the (laughs) ocean. And the only thing I can guess is back in the day, I I watched a Jacques Cousteau documentary and uh, decided that'd be cool. But my second uh, one was teaching. And uh, I've always had a desire to be involved in uh, leading and directing others and helping them grow in their relationship with Christ and also in understanding the world that he created. So um, it just became a natural pursuit of mine as I evolved in my pursuit for teaching that it also involved the ministry of preaching and eventually pastoral work and serving others and ministering to others.
1: Awesome. I love that story. And I can relate, I didn't really ever see the ocean until I was an adult myself. So, <laughs> um, as I mentioned earlier at ICM this year, which is our Institute of Children's Ministry, we offered workshops at each session on the spiritual disciplines. And so today we have you here um, specifically to share on the importance of reading and studying the Bible now as we know usually it's one of the most highlighted spiritual disciplines along with prayer so we wanted to begin by asking you do you feel that there is a particular reason why there why there is greater importance placed on this discipline compared to others
0: well i think it's probably one of the easier of the spiritual disciplines to do i mean especially now we have such access to the bible not only through uh, print but on our electronic media and so many different versions that makes it available for us. And, But I think there's also a biblical perspective behind it as well. And while all the spiritual disciplines are important, and they all play a role in our spiritual integrity, um, the scripture says that Jesus was the word made flesh. And, And so as we talk about our spiritual disciplines, Sometimes they become an end product within themselves that that I study the Bible to study the Bible, or I pray to pray to get God to answer prayers or uh, fasting for a particular need. And we fail to remember that every spiritual discipline is really designed as a key component in our overall intimacy with Christ. And so I think there is an anointing that comes through the word of God that, um, greatly enhances that intimacy with Christ and our desire to grow in him and the importance of becoming more like him. Uh, For the word to be made flesh, we have to now know that word because we don't walk with him physically, but it it provides for us a basis and a foundation so that we can develop our intimacy with him.
1: I love that. I love that concept of spiritual integrity. Um, As we know, being disciplined it's not very simple in general in life. So what are some obstacles that people might face when they are trying to become more disciplined spiritually?
0: Well, let me address the, the spiritual integrity too, um, because that goes right along with that. Uh, in, the spirit, in the physical world, structural integrity talks about the different components of a uh, building or, or a um, structure and every component has to carry its weight. And the moment that one component is weakened and dampened due to fatigue or stress or whatever it is that's causing that, the weight is then shifted to something else and that creates a weakness. And in June this past year, in 2021, we saw in Miami a condo that collapsed due to a lack of structural integrity and almost 100 people died what's true in the physical world is also true in the spiritual world. When we fail to maintain those disciplines in our life and we allow the things you're talking about to, to weaken one of those areas in our life, that load gets shifted. And because that wasn't designed to carry that load, it it can corrupt us spiritually. so it's important that we maintain our spiritual integrity. And some of the things I think, just as the situation in Miami was caused, they believe now, by a leaking uh, swimming pool that created rust in one of the beams and weakened that beam. There there are so many things today that can create problems with our discipline. Uh, Obviously, the first one is a lack of time. Um, It's interesting in the 1960s and they began to talk about personal computers They said that by the time we reached the turn of the century, most of us would only be working 20 hours a week and we would have more time for leisure. The reality of it is the connectedness of the World Wide Web and and the medias that we have has created more stress on our time. And uh, time has become one of the most valuable commodities that we have. So certainly that is one of the issues. Another issue is sometimes when we are reading scriptures, when we're studying scriptures, um, the circumstances and the events of our lives are overwhelming and they captivate our attention. And uh, it's difficult to focus. And and that's not only true about our Bible reading. That's, you know, when we were in school and uh, we were reading textbooks, if our mind was elsewhere, it was difficult to get anything out of it. So sometimes we're not getting anything out of it. Then you add the component that the scriptures are divinely inspired. They're not just another book; it is the inspired, anointed word of God that requires the anointing of the Holy Spirit for interpretation and for direction and for guidance. I say so. I think when you add the busyness of our schedules, the the complexities of our life, and then also the um the necessity of this can't be done carnally this can't be done in the flesh it has to have a spiritual component to it I think it makes it very difficult for us sometimes
1: that's good um I was reading through your handout from ICM and I noticed one of your talking points was the sufficiency of the word and so I was a little curious and wanted to know if you could break down that concept for us.
0: Sure, I base that off a really interesting uh, Old Testament story. Just a couple of verses when the Bible talks about in 2 Samuel chapter 23, the great men of David, the men who led his armies. One of those men was named Eleazar. And in the definition of Eleazar, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 23 verse 10 that he was fighting against the Philistines and the entire army of Israel deserted him. And he was left in this valley fighting the Philistines by himself with just his sword, but he conquered them, he defeated them. And in fact, so much so that the army of Israel looked back and they came back to enjoy the spoils of his labor. But with the sword, he was able to completely defeat the Philistines alone. And, uh, of course, we'll talk about a little later the the sword of the spirit and and recognizing the word of God as the sword of the spirit. But Eleazar recognized that he was very confident in his sword. Um, He had practiced with it hours upon hours. We're told by historians from the first, second, third century in Roman culture that uh, Roman soldiers would practice sometimes seven, eight hours a day with wooden swords that weighed twice as much as their real sword, because they wanted to build their muscles. They wanted to become uh, comfortable with them. And then secondly, they wanted to be familiar with them. So when I talk about the sufficiency of the word, I'm talking about the word is able to accomplish great things in our lives. Um, For instance, the word of God is our primary tool in spiritual warfare. It it is also a primary tool in transformation spiritually and our spiritual growth. And it is a a tool that God has given to us. His word is a means by which we experience success in the things God has called us to do. But to be able to see those things happen in our life and have the sufficiency of those things in our lives, we have to be, first of all, confident in it and secondly, familiar with it. And that means spending time with it in practice, much like the soldiers had to do.
1: I like that. And as we know and believe as Christians, we talk a lot about how the word inspires us and the word challenges us. So would you mind sharing a little bit how the word impacts us and meets us where we are?
0: Sure. And, And I think we we all who have read the scriptures at any point in time understand the way the word is living and speaks to our hearts. Now We've all read passages of scripture that when we're reading it, something just jumps out to us because it speaks to a specific moment in our lives. Um, And and we know we've read that many times, but we just sort of miss it. And then all of a sudden, because of the circumstance we're in, the the things that we're experiencing, our paradigms that we have right now, that particular passage leaps out and touches our hearts and touches our lives. In addition, the word uh, James tells us serves as a mirror. Um, As we're reading scriptures, it reveals to us those inner things in our life that sometimes we can't even see ourselves that we're not even aware of. And it reveals those things to us and provides that illumination to say, there's an area of my life that I'm still needing to surrender. There's an area of my life I'm still needing to mature in. So I think uh, that living word and and the mirror ministry of the word enables us to be able to let it impact our lives in transformation and impact our lives in uh, spiritual warfare.
1: Great. And we're talking about how it impacts us personally, but as we know, we're called to also follow scripture and model it. So how do you see this in the life of the believer? But also, I kind of wanted to shift it a little bit because we have a lot of ministers listening, but also in the life of the
0: minister. Sure. when we talk about again the passage of james that talks about the word being a mirror it says be quick to hear uh, so to speak but quick quick to hear swift to hear and, and um we we allow the word of god to impact our lives and, and as it does and it begins to transform us and to shape us and to mold us it, it transforms our character it transforms who we are romans 12 and 2 we we especially those of us who come from a holiness background, we quote Romans 12:1 12, 122 12, quite often. and um, I read I mainly read from the New Living translation when I'm studying, but unfortunately well not unfortunately, but I grew up in a time where you memorized King James. So when I start quoting verses, I always start quoting in King James. So uh, Romans 12:2 says, be not transformed this world but, but, uh, or be not conformed to this world, but be transformed." And um, that word transformed in the original language of the New Testament is a really cool word because it literally is transliterated into English. And uh, it gives us our word metamorphosis. And we talk about a butterfly, a caterpillar spinning its cocoon. cocoon. And Mm -hmm. while it's inside that cocoon, it, it is literally transformed from this crawling insect into a beautiful flying insect. And that's what Paul's talking about. And when he says be transformed, he says there has to be something that's going on inside of us that's changing our character, changing our attitudes, changing who we are, molding us into the image of Christ so that when we are presented to the world, that we um, we allow that to impact the world around us. I, I'm doing quite a bit of study right now on the life of Daniel and Esther because they both were living in a time of exile. They, they were God's people living in a culture that was ungodly. And I, I think there's just some great uh, relevancy in their lives, talking about as ministers and as, as uh, children's church workers, and we're trying to impact the world. I, I think it's interesting that both of them were in positions of leadership in the culture they were in. Daniel was second in charge in all of Babylon, Esther, of course, becomes the queen of Persia. But we don't read about any edicts they made to try to change the culture. We we don't read about them standing up and railing against the ungodliness of the culture. When they were confronted to compromise their beliefs and and their their, uh, godliness, they refused to compromise. But they also spent time trying to build up Babylon and trying to build up Esther. And in fact, Jeremiah, before either of them went into exile, Jeremiah said, he was told by the Lord, you tell the people when they go into exile to pray for the peace of those that have taken you captive, to pray for the blessings of those nations, because when they're at peace, you're at peace. When they're blessed, you're blessed. And so in tying all that together, the New Testament scriptures, is there's a great little verse tucked away in First Peter that says this, this is the will of God. This is God's will that you live such an honorable life that you're able to silence. And he uses the words ignorant people, but what he means is people that don't know any better. Mm -hmm. So that you're able to silence the people around you by that godly life that you live. And so I think when we talk about transforming the people around us and and not only letting it, transform our lives, but transforming the people around us, we're not going to do that by railing against the ungodliness of our culture. We're going to do that by allowing the word to transform our lives and then living honorably before them.
1: Perfect. Now we were talking about the role and the participation as a minister. And even for myself, a lot of times we can feel inadequate Mm -hmm. when it comes to reading, studying, and even teaching the word. Um, Maybe it's lack of training or just where we are in our faith journey. So I wanted to ask you what suggestions and tips do you have for those who are looking to become more confident and better students in this area?
0: Well, first of all, I would encourage anyone to recognize that uh, the power of the word is not based upon our training, our, our understanding. Obviously those things can enhance some of the aspects in explaining it, but the power of the word is, um, is self-contained, and it comes under the anointing of the Spirit. And I think for years, I struggled with that as well, thinking that I had to craft it just right. I had to say it just right. I had to have the right understanding and the right meaning and all of this, and making sure that I was rightly dividing. There's one of our words, uh, everything that needed to be rightly divided. And it caused such a conflict that I recognize that I was trusting my own. I was trying to trust my own flesh rather than trusting the anointing behind the word. And God told the prophet, um, my word will not return unto me void. Mm -hmm. The power is not in my presentation. It's not in my ability to study (laughs) it. The power is in the word itself. And that's why Paul would write to the Corinthians and said, I didn't come to you with wise words and and, and profound speeches. I just came to you in the simplicity of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So I think that, first of all, I would encourage folks to not allow their their um, belief that they don't have what it takes to be able to do everything that they see some preachers do to to stop them from recognizing the power of God's word uh, works through anyone. It doesn't take a seminary degree for the word of God to be powerful. And, uh, you know, I, I believe in education. I am I'm, I'm a teacher at heart and I understand the importance of all of that. But if we're not careful, that overrides the power and the anointing of the spirit. Secondly, I would say that we need to spend time in the Word and spend time um, asking the Holy Spirit to direct us, to guide us, to anoint us. And then thirdly, take advantage of the opportunities that are given to us today. Uh, I think about my father who basically had a Bible and no commentaries and would try to preach or try to teach or uh, many of those who have, have been so powerful in our movement didn't have near the tools that we have today So I think it's important that we take advantage of things like you guys are doing and the um, LDD department's doing to, to become more confident. But I also caution us to make sure that our confidence doesn't replace our understanding that the power is not in our interpretation or our abilities, but it is in the word of God itself.
1: Awesome. And when we connected a few days ago through email, you mentioned to me a method. I don't know if you want to call it here or H-E-A-R. I'll let you explain that. But this method of study of scripture and how it might be beneficial to some of our listeners. So I wanted to ask you if you could take a few moments and share a little bit about this method.
0: Sure. I came across, there are tons of Bible study methods uh, that are available. I came across this method a few years ago through the ministry of Robbie Gallaty, who pastors Long Hollow Baptist Church. He used to pastor in Chattanooga when I pastored there at Brainerd Baptist Church. But Robbie has a great ministry in discipleship and mentoring. And um, I was very um, interested in that and and learning how I could better uh, pass on to those around me what God was doing in my life, but also help them to grow and let them share back with me what God was doing in their life. And so I came across this, um, what Robbie calls it, he does call it a HEAR journal. It's an acronym. H stands for highlight. E stands for explain. A stands for apply. And R stands for respond. And uh, just to give you a quick example of how I would use that if we're reading Philippians chapter four, where Paul talks about being content, uh, the secret of contentment. He he said, I've I've had a lot and I've had little, but I've learned in everything to be content. And then he quotes a verse or he has a verse that we quote all the time. And I'm not saying that it's wrong how we quote it, but we don't really quote it in context many times. Paul says, I've learned how to live and be content when I have nothing. I've learned how to be content when I have everything. And then he says in verse 13, here's what if I was reading that passage, I would highlight. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Mm -hmm. Now, I've I've seen that verse used in sports. I've seen it used, (laughs) uh, you know, when students are taking tests um, and all the things that we do in life. and, and, And certainly it may be applicable in all those areas. We might could debate that. But in the context that Paul was writing, he said, in every situation of my life, whether I'm prospering or whether I am suffering, whether I'm ex- enjoying success or, or things are falling apart, I've learned how to be content. So when I get to the E part of that, I want to explain that Paul is using this verse not to say there's nothing I can't do. I, I know that people say you can do anything, but, you know, I'm 6'6". Six, six. I would never be a horse jockey at Churchill Downs for the the Kentucky Derby because I'm too tall to to be. a. I can quote Philippians 413 all I want to, but I'm never going to be a jockey. But when I explain this, what is Paul really talking about? The context is. I, I whatever I'm experiencing, I can find contentment through Christ that strengthens me. Now, the next A is how am I going to apply that? Well, that means that when I'm going through the day, when I experience I'm going to commit myself as I go through the day, when I experience success or when I experience stress, I'm going to pause and say, Lord, I know you are my strength and you are my contentment and whatever's happening out here doesn't affect what's happening in here. And we'll deal with this out here, but here is not shaken by what's going on. And so that's my application for me for the day. And then the R is responding. And that's, as I read that verse in my morning devotions, I would pray, God, whatever happens today, let my spirit experience the contentment of your presence. And and the reason why I like this so much, because as I'm reading my, My daily Bible plan that I'm reading, I'm going to highlight something and and something's going to really stick out to me. And so I can take that verse with me and with this acronym as I'm going through the day, I can just continue to meditate on it and think about it and let it be applied to my life throughout the entire day. And it's not just something I'm writing in a journal somewhere.
1: I love that. So let's transition briefly and let's talk about kids. Now you're a parent. You're also a grandparent. And so we wanted to know what ideas and suggestions have you seen in your own life or maybe things that you've heard of that you think could help teach kids the importance of knowing and digging into
0: scripture? Yeah, that's a that that's the million dollar question, isn't
1: it? Yes, that's why we're here.
0: Oh, <laughs> if <laughs> well, you find the answer to that, let me know. <laughs> um, it's obviously difficult. Um, at least in my experience as a parent, we uh, one of the things that we did as our children were younger, we we were very big on, uh, and until they got older and began working we were going to have dinner together. And so we had dinner together every day. I know that our schedules today doesn't allow that for everyone. Our schedule was a little bit different. I was a pastor. Sherlene was a um, music teacher, part-time music teacher. So she was home and, and I could make my schedule to be home. So I realized that it's different for people that are, uh, they have two vocations in the family. Uh, and, uh, so I know it's difficult, but we made that decision that we if we were home, the TV was off, we were sitting at the table and we were going to talk about the day. We were going to, you know, it was our time to kind of laugh and cut up with each other. But the second thing that we did I, every night that we were home, at least uh, we had family devotions, uh, not as they were laying in bed, but in the den. And, um, the TV went off and we read a passage of scripture. We, we always, we took a song every year and we sang a song every night, uh, gave prayer requests. We prayed together, but we just made it a part of who we were. So in answer to your question, I, I'm not a child psychologist. I'm not, I'm not a child educator. My, my degree is more in the high school and uh, the college level, but, um, I think in my years and 36 years of pastoring and my years of being a parent and a grandparent, it has to be modeled more than anything that we have to model the we we can't tell our children how important the word is when when first of all we're not doing it and then secondly if we are doing it we're not doing it in front of them. They need to see us doing it.
1: Absolutely, those intentional moments. Of yes. Chip. Um, we're getting ready to close out our podcast today, but before we do, I did want to ask if you had any books, podcasts, sermons, resources that you might would like to share with our audience on this subject. And I'm sure you have a wealth of them.
0: Well. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I am do love to read. Uh, I usually have about six books going every day uh, that I'm reading from. I, I have a, a little bit of attention deficit problem. I, it's difficult for me to take a book and start from the beginning and go to the end. I get bored with it quickly. And so I tend to read five or six books at one time in about 10 or 15 minute nuggets each and um, just uh, go through them. But it always begins with my Bible reading plan. I use the Bible app um, created by Life Church, uh, Greg crochelle's church. Um, I, I read through that year, uh, one of their yearly plans every year. I will occasionally throw in one of their um, weekly plans as well. And that's where I really use my HEAR journal or my HEAR process to Uh, whatever speaks to me that day to work through that. Um, I have some devotionals that I use. One one of the books that I'm using right now that I've just found a wealth of information is by Rick Renner. Um, It's entitled um, gems from the new Testament. It's, It's volume one and volume two. Renner is a Greek scholar and they're written kind of as a devotional. They're about five to six minutes long every day. And he just takes a passage of scripture and kind of works through um, the meaning behind the word. Because as we know, uh, sometimes what we say in English and what we're reading in the English, the the New Testament writers, there were so many in-depth meanings besides what we just see in the word. And so he breaks those down and kind of gives us insight on that. So that's been a tool that I've been using now for about the last year daily. Uh, I don't I don't do that in correspondence with my daily Bible reading plan because he has a. It's kind of written as a devotional, but it's a really thick book because, like I say, each day is probably five or six minutes long. It concludes with a, a written prayer and then a written confession proclamation, and um, so I, I've gained a lot from that in my. Um, uh, studies this year trying to grow in my understanding of God's Word. Uh, it is available. I'm a Kindle reader. I you know I know people like their books and, and love to have those. Uh, I like carrying 50 books with me at one time and on my phone or on my iPad. So I'm a Kindle reader. It is available Kindle or a book. And uh, I have ways that I can highlight and cut out and paste and file away. So um, those things have been really good to me. I've just recently come across Tyndale has come up with a new Bible called the Filament Bible. And they have created a new app for that. And um, you actually, you're reading from your Bible and you, you open the app. The app is free. Bibles run anywhere from 15 to $40. You open it up, it scans the page, and um, your app opens up to this commentary as you're reading that scripture. And it kind of works you through the commentary and then they have another section where they talk about the people who are involved in all of that, what you're talking about. And then the final section is just some media to help you understand, perhaps, where was Paul when he wrote this? Or uh, if you're talking like right now, I'm reading on Daniel, and it, it has these great illustrations to help you understand the the Babylonian empire, the Persian Med empire. And a lot of it's designed for children. A lot of it's written in, or, or produced as a cartoon and it's from the gospel uh, project. And so you come in and you have those, and I've gained a lot from that. Um, It's called Filament, um, the uh, Filament Bible, and the app is Filament. It's available on the App Store, Apple App Store, or the uh, Android App Store as well. Those are some things I have found that have really been beneficial in helping my Bible study.
1: I love that. Um, well i have been taking notes i don't know if you knew that but the whole time we've been talking and my page is just chock full of notes so thank you so much for being with us and honestly i feel challenged i feel inspired i'm going to look up what the filament Bible is in just a minute um but again thank you so much for sharing with us and for sharing with our listeners i do truly believe that this will be something that they can take from and apply to their own personal lives. And that's, that's our hope. Um, so thank you.
0: Well, thank you very much. And I want to commend, uh, um Bishop Sean and uh, you and, and, and Leslie and all the folks there in your department. What a fabulous job. Shirley and I attended ICM this year. It's the first time we've ever been able to go. And uh, I, it was just, uh, I, I plan on sending more and more of our people from our region because it was uh, just a, an outstanding event. Well produced, but also a wealth of knowledge and spiritual components to help us grow. So I commend you guys. You're doing a fabulous job.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for tuning in to our Developing Leaders, Impacting Kids podcast. You can find our show notes available on our website and we will soon be releasing more from our great series on the spiritual disciplines. Thank you again.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.